TK Mira is a digital marketer currently living in the south of France. He has lived all around the world and as a result of this he speaks seven languages. This episode, listen to TK tell us why and how he learned so many languages, as well as how important the culture is when you are living in a new country. We also speak about self-development and his time living on an uninhabited island in the Seychelles. I just help businesses that usually come to me, um, you know, grab attention online and get traffic and set up their campaigns, paid organic, whatever, decide like on how they want to go on with their business, uh, you know, in in terms, in strategic terms. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's something I can do from anywhere I want. So that's that was like a big a big one for me. Uh, and in this era, especially like with um, COVID, it's you know it's made everything easier. And you know we've been getting like way more clients. I mean, we being you know the community. So yeah, it's uh well. So far, that's what I'm doing. I don't think I'm going to do it like my entire life because you got to be, you know, you got to be online. You got to prove your presence. You got to, you know, there's a lot of work that goes behind it. But uh, yeah, it's it's something that I am passionate about. I was a little bit more passionate about, you know, a few years ago when I was just starting out. But now I want to go back to basically the basics and Probably like, yeah, do some agriculture and, you know, uh, go back to, you know, the soil, work the soil and 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 get my hands dirty. OK, literally, you want to become a man of the land, but for sure. Yeah. Having you as a man of the land. How did you end up growing up in so many different countries? Was it kind of like family moving and then you kind of moving around as you grew up? So where were you born? You said you were born in America. Then where did you yeah. first go to and what age were you and that kind of stuff? So I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and we moved right away. Like I was, I think, two weeks old. Uh, we moved to South Africa Okay, where, um, yeah, we spent the next three years. I don't remember much of it, obviously, but that's yeah. where we spent the next three years. Uh, and well, to answer your first questions, my parents used to work at the embassy. So that's why we moved that much. Um, and so, yeah, I was, uh, I, we moved to South Africa, then we went to Mozambique, uh, then we went back to the States, we went to Hong Kong, we went to Algeria, uh, Ethiopia, and, and then I moved out when I was 18, right. uh, on my own, I went to France, where I am currently, yeah. uh, I spent a couple of years, maybe three years in France in total, and then I left, went to Argentina, no, I went to Australia first and then it didn't work out there because I had some major physical issues. So I moved to Argentina afterwards after I, you know, did the whole healing, went through the whole healing process and whatnot. Uh, spending a, over a year in Argentina, which was really super amazing. Uh, it was a, a hard, it was really difficult, not at first in the middle because, you know, I wasn't so sure of what I was what I wanted to get into after that. So um, Argentina was definitely a great, actually it was like one of the best periods in my life because it was one of the hardest in a sense, but it taught me so much that, you know, uh, it's something that I can fall back on now. And, and I grew so much from that experience. And after that, I went to, uh, to Indonesia where I wanted to, you know, spend a few years, but that didn't work out. 
So I, I went to a neighboring country in Malaysia, which was so much more fitting for me. And yeah, and then from there, I went back to France. And um, yeah, in between, like in the past three years, I was I spent a little bit less than a year in, in Spain, in Barcelona, right? where I did an internship and whatnot. But then I got back to France because it's, I just like it better here. Fair enough. So what makes a good fit for you in a, in a country? Because you said there was a couple countries along the way where it wasn't a good fit. What makes a good fit? Um, I'd say the culture is definitely a big thing for me. It's like uh, the way people interact with each other and interact with you is extremely important to me. Uh, the other thing, I mean, it's usually that and then the weather. But then again, I'm in France. I'm in the southwest, but uh, it's still it's it, it rains like most of the year. Um, we're just an hour from the ocean. So that's fine in the summer, but it rains most of the year. Um, obviously, if I had a choice, I would be somewhere like sunny and, you know, uh, enjoy, you know, the ocean breeze and whatnot. But uh, right now, I think, yeah, I'd say culture and yeah, culture entails people. Yeah. And I just what makes Bordeaux where I am right now, one of the best cities I've ever lived is not the subway state, you know, the subway <laughs> system because yeah. there isn't one yeah. or whatever the city it's a beautiful city, but it's, you know, so many beautiful cities are beautiful. But what makes it stand out is definitely the people and how I connected with the people. Right. And yeah, that that for me is the number one thing I look at when I move. It's just what the people like. And so before you move to a country, would you go on a holiday there or are you just kind of just jumping out there? Man, I just... Uh, I, issue, I usually like have some connections. Like when I came to France the first time, it was because, you know, long story short, I did, you know, I, I went to high school in French. Prior to that, I spoke no French. And then something, some hiccup, there was some hiccup with the American school, the international school that I was at in Ethiopia. And so I had to, you know, I had a pretty much like 10 months to do nothing. And so I learned French in between. And then I took the test to get into the international French school. And then I got in. And that's like from that I had prior to that, I had no idea what France was like. I had no idea what people were like. I was really pretty ignorant about Europe in general, but France in particular. But then, yeah, from that moment on, I was I started learning about French history, meeting French people, this and that. And so in the end, I, you know, I landed here uh and it was yeah it was one of the best things uh that that's happened to me you just touched on saying like you know you learned french in about 10 months so i kind of that is the main thing i wanted to talk to you about today is like mm -hmm. how do you go about learning languages what's the reason behind it and then you know there's varying levels of proficiency how proficient are you in each of these seven languages and you know along the way how do you build these skills and advance them First thing I remember your question now. Oh, go on, go go back Sorry. to it. We can come back to that one. Okay, perfect. Um, so your question is, how do I like? Do I look up the countries that I go that to, or yeah. I just yeah? So basically, no, I don't look them up. It usually, like something happens, like for Argentina, for instance. Yeah, I wanted to learn Spanish. Like I had like you know the basics, but I couldn't speak Spanish fluently. Yeah. So I was like where should I go? I wanted to go to South America and my favorite favorite football player is Messi. So right. I was like, well, he's Argentine. 
I'm going to Argentina. That's yeah. how it happened. Okay. He could, you know, he could have been like from another country and I would, would have probably not made that decision because Argentina is an easy country to, you know, go to, to fit in, to find like-minded people, this and that. It's a beautiful country. It's a huge country. It's safe. Um, it's, I just, I love the culture. So yeah, that's how I made my choice. Uh, as for like other countries, it's usually just, I have a minor connection like with, with Indonesia because I had Indonesian friends and, you know, it's, it's one of those countries that I've always wondered what people were like, cause you know, you have Indonesian friend. uh, I mean, food when you're like abroad in the U S or, or, you know, in Europe, Yeah. but you have no idea what people are like over there. And so I was always super curious about it. And so when I went and I knew like those were like super developed countries, Yeah. cause you know, when you talk about the developed world, we usually think about, you know, North America and Europe and yeah. that's it. But Asia is, you know, they're way ahead of hundred percent so, on so many, on so many aspects. Right. Yeah. And so, that's yeah that's one of the things that sparked my curiosity and i was just like yeah man i i gotta i gotta know how people live and what they're like and uh, you know i've learned so much it's like in malaysia i learned how different people are it's like there they are there are three types of malaysians malays chinese descent people of chinese descent and then um well malays and people of chinese descent and you know uh, other let's say other ethnicities like in, in people of Indian descent and this and that. And so I had no idea it worked like that. And so you could be in a country like that where it's a majority um, Muslim country, but you can find like churches, you can find like uh, Buddhist temples, you can find synagogues and it's just so beautiful. Like the mixity and how people respect each other and live in harmony and yeah obviously each country has its own problems but you see like when you see these countries and these like i had no idea that people lived like that like yeah despite having traveled quite if you know have been around before that and having lived in asia like in hong kong and stuff you'd think like you know people would know these things but i realized like and the more i go the more i realize this uh, the more you think you know, the less you actually know, because travel just opens your mind on on so many things. And when you think you know something about a country, uh, the moment you move there is completely different for one from just visiting. And the second thing is like once you get there, you're just like, wow, I didn't expect this country to operate this way. And for them to, you know, have these differences, even even with, with between them, you know. And, you know, some of my best friends were of, you know, uh, Chinese descent or Taiwanese descent in Malaysia and Indonesia. And um, like they had the Chinese culture in their families and this and that just a little bit like, um, you know, people of African descent or like Caribbean descent in, in some countries in Europe, like Holland, England, this and that. And so like you wouldn't expect to you know to have that pretty much that same way of uh you know of people and the same way people live in an asian country because you just expect them to all be the same but actually not at all yeah and yeah those things are just some of uh and back to your question so i basically just find a minor connection with a country yeah. like i have a lot of colombian friends yeah and i love colombia i love so many things about the colombian culture so i think the next country i'd really love to uh, you know, be based in and live in for a year to who knows, 
would be Colombia, you know, just because I have that connection with the people and I love the culture from an outsider's point of view. So it could be different. I could get yeah. there and spend six months and be like, nah, I'm out of here. Yeah. But I could also like go there and spend 20 years. Who knows? So it's one so, of those um, things where you, you get like a, a small kind of idea of what it's like from people that you meet. And then you go, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try this place out. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to see what it's like. And you've been doing this since you were 18. So I, I don't know how long ago that was for you, but it might've been a little while, might've been a long while, but, I would, I would, I'd be curious to know when you, you know, go from being a tourist somewhere to being a, a resident, how mm. do you go about making friends, finding out what to do? Like what, what is your kind of go-to pattern for that? Cause you have, you've probably done that a lot more times than most people ever have. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, thing is, I think it's, it would be cheating to just say, uh, give you the answer straight up. Yeah, because for me, it's it's super easy because I, you know, because of the lifestyle that my parents sort of imposed in me when I was young, moving countries from, you know, when you're a couple of weeks old. And then, you know, I got like I started school when I was six years old, actually, which is quite old, old for, you know, uh, yeah. for the current standards. But I started school and then you'd move like a couple of years later, like three years later, and then you'd have to go to a new school, make new friends. And what people don't know much about uh, the diplomat lifestyle is that even when you get to a place and let's say you spend like three, four years there, um, that doesn't mean like you can meet people like at school, you get there, you meet people, the first year goes well, you make friends and you're like super tight and stuff, but it's your first year, but it could be like the last year. And so they'd still leave even if you stay and you've managed to, you know, make friends the first year. Right. And so that sort of just makes you um, a serial, let's say, uh, friendster in a yeah. sense, because you just start to learn your way around things. And you just learn that um, people come, people go. Um, obviously, you start to value connections as you get older. But prior to that, you just go like, I think, I mean, that's how it worked for me. Your brain just goes like, okay, well, you're here for another three years. Yeah. So you need obviously to make at least one great friend and then the rest are just acquaintances. Yeah. And so just walk up to whoever just seems interesting and start chopping it up with them. And it usually never ends up being that person per yeah. se, but it could be like one of their friends or like someone you really would have never expected yeah. to be friends with. That's how it usually works. But for me, the key is to just make that first step. Just break the ice. Just break the ice. Exactly. And I feel like people, that's, I mean, in my experience, um, people love people. And people love when you're, you're curious, you pay attention to them. Uh, you're, you know, just be yourself, be your authentic self. Because I know from the outside, like, especially like high school and stuff, it's, it's that, that place is hard, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, to get your way around it. But for me, it's just about, not overthinking shit and just yeah. being like go with it like people may like make fun of you or whatever but who cares and just look at us like you and i like today it's we're not in high school anymore and how many of these people who laughed at you at high in high school do you remember like none of them you don't even think about that like Definitely you don't even not. know you know what i mean yeah and so like that's what i usually like say to people who are in high school and struggling with these things and that's what I would say to people who also are older and struggling with these things. Because 
if you don't break the ice, then some people are just too shy to make that first step. Some other people just, you know, sometimes you don't even know what you're missing until you meet that special friend or whatever. And then you'd be like, wow, man, like, I'm so glad I met this person because they enrich like my life so much and they give me so much. And it just, I feel like the best things in life have to be shared in a sense. And so if you have that, you know, um, and I'm not even extroverted, you know, I'm not at all actually extroverted. I just like people in general and I like talking to people, interacting with people. And so moving countries, even after my 18, after I was 18, well, at first it's easy because you go to college and then you obviously make friends, whether you like it or not, I'd say. <laughs> but um, after that, I obviously, like when I was in, in Argentina, for instance, or in Australia, I didn't know, literally know anybody or like in, in the other countries as well. But in these countries specifically, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know much about the culture world. The Australian culture is, we know a little bit more about, especially if you're from an English speaking country. But in Argentina, I had no idea how people interacted with each other, what was weird, what was not. But back to what I was saying, I was like, I shouldn't overthink it. I should just jump in. And, you know, I know, like, you, I feel like confidence is the key to pretty much everything in life. Yeah. So if you just basically like know your worth and, you know, some countries, for example, are more racist than others. Yeah. Um, you're, you're a person of color. I'm a person of color. So you could actually have that mental block. Like, oh man, like these people could not accept me for, you know, the way I look or the way I dress or whatever. Yeah. But if you start overthinking these things, then you're not going to do anything. So for me, the key is just to be, sure of who you are accept yourself for who you are and once you do that like your mindset switches completely because now if a person says no to you know if you you approach a person and that person is not interested or the person is even mean to you you're not going to take it personally because you know your value you know who you are you know you know your worth and so once you do that like there is nothing that's going to stop you following on from what you said about confidence and all that kind of stuff you have mm-hmm. to be quite a confident person to learn this many languages. Now, where you're making new friends in different countries and stuff like that, I'm sure there's been a moment in time where the, you know, the language barrier comes into things. Because oh, I've yeah. had friends that speak different languages and it, it eventually we get to a point where they go, oh, I'm funnier in Italian or, you know, I, I'm more charming yeah. in, in my native tongue. And it's kind of like, damn, do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're getting along so well, but there's still a barrier. Or I had one friend... Um, she, she was Italian, and every time she got drunk, she forgot English. <laughs> so, oh shit! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm just wondering, like, so you said you learned French, you know, well enough to get into school in ten months. What about the other five languages? So obviously we've got English, French. And what are the other five languages? I'm assuming Mandarin. Uh no, actually, uh, crazy story. I learned Arabic when I was in China because we had a choice between Arabic, Mandarin, and and German. Okay, and uh, some of my best friends were actually in the Arabic class, so I chose Arabic chose at Arabic. that point. Okay, and I did four years of Arabic, and so yeah, now like it's a it's a language that I'm I can probably say that I speak and you know I'm fluent in. Yeah, but that would have never happened if you know I hadn't met these friends, you know, yeah. and I wasn't like super close to them. So basically, yeah, English, French, Arabic, Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese. 
Spanish and Portuguese have a bit of overlap. Yeah, it's they're they're pretty close to be honest. Yeah. Um, though they're quite different in you know in so many things, in grammatical but... senses and all that kind of stuff. But exactly, but I guess with Portuguese and Spanish, you can still get around most of like Latin America. Do you know what I mean? And kind of go hundred percent of Latin America actually. Like yeah. from Mexico down, everyone speaks Spanish except Brazil, which speaks Portuguese. So it's uh, the whole of the American continent okay almost bar like two countries basically <laughs> right okay so with arabic have you ever lived in an arabic speaking country or is that not something you've you've got around to yet i haven't and uh, i lived actually in in algeria for three years right um they do like the official language is arabic but they speak um like you know uh let's say a local a local dialect so it see it sounds a little bit like some words of are Arab in Arabic, but the language is definitely not Arabic. So I never really got to practice it over there. Um, that being said, I you know had a lot of people who were who were of Arabic um, origins and from the Middle East mostly. Yeah. So uh, Lebanon, Lebanon, and and Syria in in like for most part some Egyptians, um, and yeah, that's mostly it. Oh, and Jordanians. So basically, whenever we got together, um, especially like with their family members, like some of them didn't speak any English. So we had to really talk in Arabic. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's um, let's say that region of the world is a little bit too warm for me. <laughs> yeah. <fair laughs> so enough. I never really thought about, you know, moving there because, yeah, it's man, it's hot. So it's I was like, it's, I'm cool, like visiting, you know. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily like, you know, live there. I don't think it's um, I'd rather like go to somewhere like in Africa, like, you know, Central Africa, where it's, you know, all green and natural and lush and whatnot. Not a desert place. To, not a desert place, man. It's It's too much. So do you have like any kind of, not even tips and tricks, but do you have any kind of like systems you use to learn languages? Because it's not easy learning a second language, let alone learning another, you know, five or six. So yeah, I mean, with French, I know a little bit of French. The funny thing is someone could speak French to me, like, you know, a fluent speaker speak French. I can understand it, but my replies would be like, I'm a four-year-old because it's just, I don't remember mm. how to conjugate sentences i can't remember all the words to say but hearing them i'm like oh yeah i know exactly what that person said because i learned it in school for about seven eight years but that's a long period of time for me to have no kind of do you know what i mean great mm. great speaking ability whereas for you i feel like you're able to kind of like ingest these these languages like super quick and then have the confidence to go out and speak them which is half the battle i guess that's you just said it all man it's just the confidence to you know start talking to people and that's exactly what i do it's like when i went to argentina i already spoke italian but my spanish was really garbage yeah i had like i really didn't know much and so i knew i spoke italian i know there are a lot of you know similarities although like now like in hindsight i know i realize how different the two are are like the two languages are and so when I went there, um, I was in Spanish. I took Spanish classes, and there were those um, events uh, where you, you know, have like exchange students and whatnot, like from different regions of the world, where you could, you know, they come. People would come to practice like English usually or French, and you'd go there and practice Spanish. 
And so I was super involved with these things because that was, for me, one of the main sources of, um, yeah, developing your, your, your language skills. And so that, for me, it, it all comes from confidence, once again. You just have to be confident enough to break the ice, to walk towards people and be like, listen, man, like, uh, I don't speak well, but let me just, let me have it, you know, let me, yeah. like, yeah, chat up in, in whatever language you're trying to talk. And so for me, it's all about practice. Just do it. It doesn't matter if you speak like a four-year-old, but we even, I'm sure, I mean, even when you were four year, years old, your English was like a four-year-old, but without that practice that came with it, you wouldn't speak it as well as you do today. And so that's exactly how I treat it. When I started language, for me in my head, I'm a two-year-old trying to learn it, you know, as a baby. And so when someone is in front of me, I'm like, okay, consider me a baby and you can talk to me like however you talk to babies or not, yeah. but uh, do not like, you can correct me if you want. And that's actually even encouraged. I encourage that, but yeah. don't try to, don't, don't help me too much. Don't over help me and just let me just talk. And I know I'm going to be making lots of mistakes, but once actually you start listening to people, you start talking to people, you start, you know, memorizing the way people say some things instead of just memorizing words and grammar and whatnot. Yeah. And so sometimes it's, it's wrong, but for me, it's more important to master the way, you know, to the, the, the oral expression uh, than it is to actually master grammar or whatnot, because once you master the grammar, uh, the oral expression, then the rest will come because you'll take a step back and be like, okay, um, now you're starting to read articles, you're watching video, YouTube videos, you're, you know, and then you can build your vocabulary and that, and that. But the most important part is just being confident and talking to people. Most definitely. Because I think the main problem is right now, a lot of people will go, oh, I've got Duolingo, I've got this book. And it's like, yeah, if anything, you're going to hold yourself back doing that because you're going to be seeing the you know the word in a different language than the word in your language and then you're going to try say it and then you're going to try do you know what I mean it's like the conversational side of things is where you should really realistically try to start as best you can is from is what I'm kind of getting hundred percent saying is is it something where you're learning the language almost like through situational experiences or is it more so like going okay i know how to say hi how are you okay i know how to respond to those questions as well i can know i know how to ask for directions now or how, how do you kind of get those basics in in the beginning because i'm assuming you're not using you know duolingo or rosetta stone or anything like that not at all man i pay attention that would be the short answer like if i'm in line to buy some baguettes in france yeah then i'm listening to how the guy in front of me is interacting with the you know, the lady, the the cashier or whatever. Right. And so I'm right behind him. I may not be able to say the things the way he says them, mm. but I'm paying attention to the way he talks, the way he, you know, he, he says things. And so um, then I just try to incorporate it into my, my language and, right. and never be afraid to, you know, when it's time to spit, then do it, you know, yeah. when it's time to, go at it, then go at it. If people laugh, because I've had so many people, like tons of people in my life, you know, just laugh at me for for some things I say to this day, actually. Like I, 
I'd say like, you know, I speak French like a native and people usually tell me, oh, we thought you were born here, whatever, whatever. But sometimes where, you know, you're at a party with friends and then you say something and now everybody like freezes, like, what do you mean by that? And you just go like, <laughs> this is, this is what I mean. And they're like, oh, that's absolutely not what it means, yeah. but it's cool, you know? And so for me, it's an endless, you know, nobody actually masters a language because language is just so vast. Nobody actually masters it, Yeah. but you can do, you know, your best to just, um, you know, get by like on a, on a day-to-day basis. And yeah, ex- you know, oral expression is everything. And so just back to confidence, just go about, you know, pay attention and whether you know or not doesn't matter. Uh, what matters the most is putting it into, you know, um, putting it into practice. Yeah. So that kind of feeds into personal development, which is something that you you said you, you wanted to speak about. Mm-hmm. When you say personal development do you mean like reading self-help books and like meditation or like what's what's your kind of view on personal development it's all of it it's all of it it's about for you know first and foremost uh, i'd say it's about opening your mind uh to discover everything that there is to discover you're never gonna learn everything there is but you can give it a try at least um and then personal development for me is about letting yourself be be vulnerable and then from that point on making decisions as to how to grow. And so that's what I, would, why I was talking about urgency and being one of the most important periods of my life because, you know, uh, it was great at first. And then, you know, you have the in-between once you're there, you already settled, you met people, you you now speak in the language and you feel at ease. Um you start, you know, having some difficulties in your life and whether it's like relational, whether it's like depression, maybe you miss your family, maybe you miss, you know, you you can't cope at school. There's so many problems that could happen in one's life. And so it's in those moments that one has to, for me, um, you know, reflect on what's going on around you. And it could be self-help books because those are definitely like, um, worthwhile for me at least and it could be like just youtube videos uh they could it could be gurus i know a lot of people don't like gurus but you just have to pay attention to which guru actually speaks to your soul and listen to that guy it doesn't have to be like the most well-known guru it could be just uh you know some podcast it could be some some guy you met around the corner and who has some valuable advice that actually applies to you then that's enough. And for me, it's always in seeking the betterment of, of oneself. And right. that's what personal development is for me. It's just, yeah, seeking the constant betterment of who you are and always taking the those opportunities that life gives, gives you when things are going to shit. Yeah. That's really like, that's those are some of the most important, for me at least, those are some of the most important moments in one's life in order to, you know, use them as a stepping stone to a better you. So do you have any kind of book recommendations or YouTube channel recommendations for people that are interested in, well, you know, continuing or starting a self-development journey? Man, that's a, that's a tough question. Cause I don't, I'm, I'm not good with names to yeah. be honest. So I, I could like tell you like some YouTube, I mean, the ones I listen to at least. Yeah. Uh, I listen to a guy who isn't necessarily a guru. He's like, 
what is he even like he's an entrepreneur his 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 a professional his his so many things uh gary v i don't know if you've heard of him yeah gary vaynerchuk he's yeah. a he's a big deal he's got so many quotables it's hard to uh it's hard to even quote him properly he's one of those people that i listen to not for the business advice but for the better self-betterment advice he's big on mindset you know, he's a big on mindset he's big on mindset man yeah and recently he's made a as far as i've noticed he's made a transition from the whole you got to hustle till you can't hustle anymore until like now he's like no work smart not hard type thing which is a much more healthy kind of approach to work-life balance i guess absolutely man and you see he grew from his own experiences yeah he grew from the things that he used to say and he has no like he doesn't you know, he doesn't feel entitled uh, with everything that he says, but he also, you know, he has no problem backing up on the shit that he said before yeah. because it's it, it, it now doesn't apply anymore or because it's wrong. And he just said, I was wrong about that. And he just, he's so real about how he approaches things and he approach, how he approaches life. And that's something I look up, I look up to. Um, but other than that, I really, to be honest, I'm a sponge in a sense. So I really like listening to whoever it is that has great advice. Yeah. So it could be some, you know, inspirational video of Denzel Washington on YouTube uh, or on, on some YouTube channel that I'm probably never going to see again. Or it could be some book. Um, who would I like? Um, well, Tony Robbins is huge. And he's a, I feel like he's great. Um, He's definitely like the kind of guy that I would go to if I did if I didn't know anything about self development and, and personal development, you know, because he would take you from you know A to probably like H, and then you'd have to do the rest. But he would give you like that first part that is super important. Um, otherwise, if you're already like looking into the stuff that you're looking, or you're already looking within. Um, then just whoever you look up to, then probably just look up like stuff about that person, maybe a, a book they wrote. There's this guy, a commentator who lives, who, who's a, he's a football soccer commentator here in France. Uh, he's of Argentinian ar- origins. So he has a really thick accent when he commentates like football games. Yeah. But he's super, he's got so much charisma. He he's so, so interesting, so positive. So, you know, that he wrote a book and, you know, these wouldn't be like the people that I, you know, people usually recommend yeah. as far as books go. But this is one of, you know, one of my favorite books because he just talks about life. He talks about his journey, but mostly about life and his optimism and his why he's always so, so positive and so smiling and he, why he enjoys life and whatnot. And so, you know, that's the kind of book I would tell my friends, Logie, you should, you should read that, man, because it totally speaks to it could it could speak uh, speak to you you know and so yeah for me it doesn't have to be a name yeah i was going to say sometimes you get lessons in places that you didn't expect to get them and that's 100% man and that's kind of the the kind of idea of this this show or this podcast that you know we're working on right now is mm. oh okay yeah this guy you know lives around the world duh, 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 but it's like there's there's lessons underneath that there's there's something else there that you know it's not completely obvious, but if you listen along the journey or if you read along that journey, you go, oh, wow. Especially like what you said with the, the Argentinian football announcer. I'm assuming he's speaking in French. So it's like he's he's an Argentinian person who's speaking French, 
you know, is probably at the top of his game in in announcing, but it's like his barrier to entry is so so much higher than the average French person that he makes 100%. up for it by being entertaining and all this kind of stuff. And that stands out and resonates with, with people. And it's just like you said, when you're connecting with people, it's not always about, oh, this person's rejected me, so this, that, whatever. Sometimes it's about just trying. And sometimes if you try, amazing things happen. A hundred percent, man. And get this, like he won best commentator in France in 2019, I think. So right. to come from a very tiny, you know, town in Argentina, come to France without, you know, any like his story is super inspirational to make it to this level yeah. and to be competing with natives, you know, in, a, in actually a sport. Because for me, it is a sport to be yeah. a football commentator. Yeah, no, um, definitely. Where, you know, language is your main skill. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's the first thing that people, you know, use in that kind of, let's say, uh, job, if, mm. if we call it that. And so with all these barriers, he managed to make his way through and become a fan favorite and this and that and be able to write a whole book in French. Yeah. That for me is just crazy. And there are so many people like that. People who aren't as famous, unfortunately, or probably fortunately. But um, yeah, when you start be- becoming like curious about people and and just, yeah, when you start paying attention to the to people, to the people behind the people, then the whole, like for me, the whole, um, your whole view of the world changes. And yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just, it's so beautiful to just be able to connect with these many people and to have the opportunity to do it. And just like your podcast here, you get to sit down with, with so many different people from so many different walks of life and, and converse with them, uh, let alone like the whole podcasting thing. It's just so enriching for you, I'm assuming, because you're just talking to these people and growing as a person. And so your mind just you know, is, is widening and, uh, and you, you start to see like beyond everything that you, you saw thus far, right? Yeah. Oh no, most definitely. One of the main themes I've found is people just, first of all, trying, just trying something. And the mm. second of all is determination. And those two things are a constant between everybody that I've spoken to is they don't stop trying. And you know, if the trying doesn't work, they're just determined to do something. And it's like, I feel like most people don't do either of the two or if they do one, then they do it half assed and they go, Oh, well I tried. Oh, that's, you know, that's it. That's it. Or yeah, I'm determined. I'm determined, but they're determined for a week or for a month. And you know, it, it's like when you said, when you're learning a language, yeah, people are going to laugh. People are going to say this and say that. But on day one, I knew nothing on day two. I knew a little bit on day three. I knew more. Exactly. man. And it just keeps stepping up from there. So, I would, I would, I'd be curious to, to kind of find out. You said you, you're thinking about moving to Colombia next and all this and all that. But do you have any like favorite places you've lived or any kind of cool travel stories that you've had from all the places you've been? Man, um, I totally do have like lots of cool stories. And <laughs> I remember one time like we, I was um, about to graduate like, um, here in France and I was like I popped up uh to 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 school because I had like some some paperwork to 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 get over with and so I talked to this guy and um he worked at the school and he was like oh man what's going on everything good and 
And I was like, yeah, man, everything good. And so he was like, oh, you're looking like, you know, summer is around the corner. Are you looking forward to it? What are you going to be doing? And I was like, I don't think about time that way. Like for me, like every day is basically a vacation. I try to make it so at least, you know? And so with each passing day, I try to, it's either like a dish that I like to cook that I cook or like a dish that I like to order that I order or yeah. a movie that I really enjoy watching that I watch or a person that I enjoy talking to that I call or meet up in town or yeah. this or that. But I try to make it so that every passing day has at least one good thing. Yeah. And by doing that, like I sort of rewrite my brain into always looking forward to great things happening. Yeah. It's like I talk quite a bit about football, for example, and football is a big part of my life. And so when there's like, when my team is playing like um, ecstatic, cause the whole day basically is like, I, I try to make everything fit so that by the time I get to the game, my food is ready. This is ready. My phone is almost off, you know, yeah. cause I really want to enjoy that moment like fully. And yeah. so, you know, and I try to do everything that way. And so I try to make every day literally count. Some days are worse than others, obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah. And back to your question about the cool stories. Well, I have one that I don't know if it's cool, but in I think it was in 2014, I had my first anxiety attack. I mean, that's what I assume was my first. I think I had one when I was really super young, but I don't remember much of it. So that I was in, in 2014, I was 23. So it was, you know, I, I was old enough to realize that it was an anxiety attack and this and that. And so that was the first one. And then I started like, you know, having anxiety and anxiety is really, excuse my French, but it's a bitch to live with. It's really awful. Most definitely. And so, you know, that, that was happening. Like I, I started like getting like panic attacks and anxiety attacks almost on a daily basis for about two months. Right. And so within those two months, I questioned everything. I really, you know, when you have anxiety attacks, you really think that's like, that's it. You're about to die. It's like, mm. it's your last day on earth. Um, and that's, that's it really. It's that it, yeah. it can get really that bad. Yeah. And so that was happening, you know, for, for two months. And when that happened, at some point, I was like, I dropped everything. I stopped talking to all of my friends. I traveled to, um, you know, I had some money on the side. So I traveled to the seashells, but I didn't book any. I mean, I did book, uh, you know, an Airbnb, but it was just to show it at the airport, yeah. but also to spend the first and last night. Yeah. And so I spread the first night at the Airbnb. The second night, I had just to find a way to, to go one of those islands, like, in the seashells, there are about 160 islands, about like maybe 16 to 20 of them are actually inhabited. There are the major ones are like four or five at most. The rest of them are like private islands, privately owned by, you know, the rich of the Middle East and Russia and whatnot. Yeah. And so the rest of the islands, so the other 140 are actually in uninhabited islands. Yeah. And they are protected by the government and whatnot, but some of them are just not and so i looked up like some of them and i was like i need to go on one of those spend as many days as as i need to and try to reconnect try to refine myself try to you know just get get i don't know get over with this whole anxiety thing because it never happened to me i don't know why it's happening now i did my whole like you know uh physical exams or whatnot and everything was fine so i was like why is this happening 
Yeah. And so I went on an uninhabited island um, where, you know, there were coconuts, there were um, some other trees. On the first night I spent there, I, you know, at first it was super quiet just with the sound of the ocean and whatnot. And then I started hearing sounds, you know, sounds of things knocking basically. Yeah. And so they wouldn't happen too often, but like it was really late. It was about like maybe 10 PM and the sun there at that point used to set at around like 7 PM. So I had the time to eat, read my book swim and then go to go to bed because you know when there is no sun and there is no electricity you go to bed when the sun comes what down, else you know? gonna do yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so i i you know i i was chilling in my bed quote unquote yeah um and then i started hearing hearing these sounds like of things like just knocking every few minutes and so I was like, wow, what the hell is this? There must be some animals. But, you know, on those islands, there usually aren't any, like, dangerous animals. So what is this? I got to check it out tomorrow because I wasn't brave enough to check it out that night. I mean, I was like, it's it, it sounds far away. And so the next morning I wake up and I venture a little bit into the island. And so um, I realized, like, there were so many fruits on the ground. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why those are on the ground, but I, I'm not paying attention to this. So basically, yeah, I ignored them, and then it came, it came to me. I was like, oh, these could be the reason why there were sounds uh, last night because those were like that was the sound of the fruits falling on the ground. And then I looked onto the, I looked at the fruits and I picked one of them. Uh, there were like mangoes mostly. It was as if like an animal had had been eating them. And so I looked up and there were like a bunch of fruit bats. And so that was exactly what, it, what was causing that. Like fruit bats would jump on the fruit, start eating it. And then when it fell, they would just move on to another one. And so that was what, what was happening. And that was kind of scary for a first night, you know, because you don't know what you what to expect. And then you realize that it's just that. And it's sort of like the beauty of all that is that like some of the things that we think are super um scary on life are actually just things that we haven't paid attention enough to <laughs> so that's that's the the lesson i took from that and so thanks to those fruit bats i didn't have to climb any trees because they would just eat at night and feast on, on those fruits and then in the morning i just pick the ones that i they ate from that were on the ground and just eat them myself and so after i stayed there for about um 13 days to be exact wow and yeah, it was it was amazing. Surviving um, all off I what did though? was fruit and and I fruit. Um, there were like bananas, not ripe, but like they take about twenty four hours to 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 be ripe if you pick them up. Um, there were um some mangoes. There were obviously for water. There was a lot of coconut water, so that was easy. Back then, I was pescatarian. I loved fish, so I used to fish all day. Wow. Uh, and I had some beans with me. So okay. that's that's all I took because I was like, you can survive off beans, which I don't think is is, is possible. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I, I may go just for a couple of days and come back. So it's yeah. not that. that how that did you get to the island? Like, how did you know this is the island I'm going to go to? There's going to be no one there. Do you know what I mean? Like, how, how did you get there? And I'm I didn't gonna... know that. Oh, I didn't know that, that it was uninhabited. I was just like, uh, 
you know you could see some islands from afar yeah uh, i rented a, a small uh, a small bark a small boat yeah and from from a local guy a very really old dude yeah and um it had like this this his signature on it it said scorpio which is like scorpion in, in the the local dialect and yeah and so i took it and um i went to the first island and it happened to be like uninhabited so i was like i'm chilling here and to be honest i wasn't overthinking it once again i just thought there is an island over there um i could go to it there may be people if there are people then i'll just bounce yeah and so i got there there were no people i chilled for 13 days there were no people still uh, and I just made it my own. And to be honest, it's one of the most yeah, beautiful times of my life because all I did was literally wake up with the sun, um, have my breakfast and, you know, breakfast fruits and whatnot. And so and then swim a little bit, think about lunch, read. That's all I did. And, and you know, stroll around, do push ups, run around, climb trees, do this and that. Yeah. That's literally all I did for for 13 days. And at night, I used to take time to meditate and to, you know, write a little bit because I love writing. It's one of the things that helped helped me cope since I was like probably 10, 11 years old. Yeah. It's one of those things like I used to have my own, you know, journal and whatnot and write things. And so it's yeah it's always been a great outlet for me it's like just instead of keeping things in my mind and in my heart i just put them down on whatever a, a block note or or just uh, your phone and that's it and that's exactly what uh you know it's one of the things that i don't do as much now because now i write like about twice a week but yeah. at most but you still keep that habit yeah 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 it's but i try like before it was literally like a few times a day at at times Mm -hmm. when things are hard that's yeah that's my go-to you know uh yeah to to express myself because yeah it's it's just it's a safe space for me and it's just my thoughts put on whatever uh into notes and that's it and so that's all i did man like literally nothing productive quote unquote for 13 days and for me it was some sort of rebirth because there was definitely a before and after that period it's like for me that that period of anxiety and anxiety attacks is definitely a blessing it has been a blessing since because personally i'm a religious person so i believe in god and i'm practicing and whatnot and so that sort of we yeah, a rebirth, it it, it it helped me actually see what truly mattered and find solace in all of that. And mm. so I'm truly grateful for, you know, for, for that happening, yeah. for that, you know, time I spent on that island reflecting and meditating and, yeah, just being so close to nature, man. And, you know, resetting my whole body, my mind, everything, because the moment I left that place, I felt like my life sort of started turning into what it is today and I couldn't be happier. So from from the island, you know, you, you mm-hmm. went back to your Airbnb and, you know, finally had electricity and all these nice things. Yeah. Where did you go next after the, the Seychelles? What was the kind of the next place you went to and just kind of why? I went back to my parents, actually, who used to live in Ethiopia at that time. Yeah. So, and I had my best friend or one of my best friends who is, who lives there as well. And so 
you know, I felt at ease. I didn't have any attacks for like about 10 days out of the 14 or 15 that I was away. So I was like, okay, now I'm okay. I felt, you know, I actually, for the first time in my life uh, on the way there, I had an anxiety attack because I was afraid of flying. One of the things that I did my entire life all the time, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Your mind is just literally your mind is the master of everything. Like it can make you believe or it can make you or break you. And it can make you believe anything if, if you don't pay attention to it and if you don't take care of it. And so, um, yeah, so I went back to my parents in Ethiopia and, you know, my parents are really chill. They made me, you know, feel, they were like, stay for however long you want. Mm. Um, what's next for you? Obviously, they ask you that question because they want you to succeed and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah. they're like, take as, as, as much time as you want. And so, yeah, I spent, I think, a month and a half there. And I met up with my, you know, my best friend a few times. I told her about the whole thing, the whole anxiety and the story. And we chopped it up and we, we, you know. And then after that, I moved to Argentina, actually. And so that's where the whole thing restarted again. Here's where to find TK. Well, I do have my own podcast show. I started it like about 18 months ago. And so it's called Clarity with TK, uh, T-K-T-E-E-K-A-Y. And you can find it anywhere you listen to your podcast. And so, yeah, on, on my show, I just talk about, you know, pretty much everything that we, we, we talked about here and more. Uh, I try to get into more detail because, you know, lots of people, for example, ask me about financial independence and how I man- managed to do all this and to travel and whatnot. And it's just... For me, it's simple math. Uh, I mean, I did get super lucky in life because I met one of my mentors when I was 18 and he taught me about investment and, you know, cryptocurrencies and this and that. And so I got in super early. And so that sort of, for me, it was just luck because I could have just stumbled upon someone else and my life would have been completely different. I talk a little bit about that and how to get your financial independence as early as possible. I talk about minimalism, which is a lifestyle that I 100% adhere to now. Um, I'm extreme. I'm, I'm actually going towards extreme minimalism because minimalism is just not enough now. Because I really like, you know, we talked a little bit about travel, and you know, I I can't believe how much stuff I had despite being always on the move, man. It's, yeah. You want to be able crazy. to just pack it up into a one backpack or one suitcase. And That's go. what I'm trying to do, man. One yeah. suitcase, yeah. which is, you know, still doable. a lot, but no, it's still doable, it is, it, it's doable, man. It's a hundred percent doable. And that's what I'm trying to get at. And that's something that I realized in the past, probably a couple of years. Uh, minimalism could, you know, save you time, money. It could save you like so much it could save you in so on so many senses and it's for me it's one of the things that i talk about the most in my podcast because it's just so important and it could actually help so many people whether they're rich or poor it doesn't matter it helps both actually and we can't say that about a lot of things you know and so if you want to tune in then you can find me at clarity with ck thank you for listening to people explained New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend. 